Refocus with Lindsay Gensel is produced in partnership with ADHD Online, a telemedicine mental health care company based in Grand Rapids, Michigan, that cares for ADHDers of all ages in towns, cities, and rural communities across the country. Are you self-diagnosed but curious about seeking out an official diagnosis? They can help with that too. ADHD Online provides comprehensive online assessments that are both affordable and easily accessible. And even better, you can take it in the comfort of your own home, at your own pace, in your own comfies, and even get a personalized treatment plan back in around seven days. To find out how the team at ADHD Online can help you on your journey and to see what services are available where you live, head over to ADHDonline.com. I registered for public speaking first. (laughs) That was a class I had taken and dropped five times previously and needed a permission slip to get into this time. And I did it. Not only did I do it, but I got a hundred in the class. And I owe that to, yes, my tenacity and my resiliency. Um, But I owe that to ADHD online. And man, I wish I could remember that prescriber's name, that first practitioner from way back when. But I, I couldn't have gotten through that class without the help that I got in those first few months. That's Emily Howarth. And on today's episode of Refocused with Lindsay Gensel, she is sharing her ADHD story with us. I've thought a lot about how I wanted to open up today's episode because Emily being here to share her story is a gift. Prior to being diagnosed with ADHD, Emily survived a suicide attempt. And right now, as we are in the midst of this busy holiday season that can come with a lot of hard, overwhelming feelings, and just days after the world was once again reminded of how hard it can be to see someone's pain. I am so proud and grateful to Emily for sharing her strength and vulnerability with the Refocus community. Because it matters. It matters because it's a massively scary, overwhelming problem that seems to paralyze us as people. And even though it affects every single one of us, we don't quite know how to talk about it. And talking about it is so important because we know that talking to someone about suicide won't cause or increase suicidal thoughts, and it won't cause the person to act on them. It can actually help them feel less isolated and scared. And that comes from the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, a psychiatric teaching hospital located in Toronto. They've put together an incredible resource on why the words we use when talking about suicide matter. I've included the link in the show notes, but wanted to run through a few points that I hope will help you feel more comfortable approaching the subject with the people in your life. These are general rules they suggest we follow when addressing the topic of suicide. Avoid anything that reinforces stereotypes, prejudice, or discrimination against people with mental illness and suicidal ideation. Avoid anything that implies mental illness makes people more creative, fragile, or violent. 
and avoid anything that refers to or defines people by their diagnosis. That includes ADHD. Their guidelines also emphasize that choosing the right words is just as important as avoiding the wrong ones because the language we use can have a positive effect. So be direct. Don't shy away from talking about it. Encourage the people in your life to reach out for help. And be hopeful. Remember, people can and do get better. And you'll hear that today from Emily. If you or someone you know is experiencing suicidal thoughts, there is help. Call or text the number 988 to connect directly to the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. If you don't live in the United States, I've included a link in the show notes that highlights resources for help and support in other countries around the world. Let's start. Where are we talking to each other from? Is that a question? Is that like an actual way to ask it? That's a question. Yeah, absolutely. Where are we speaking to each other from? I am currently sitting in my desk chair in Durham, North Carolina. I just wrapped up my work day and I am excited to be talking to you from Minnesota. Very cold Minnesota. Mm. Yes. Yes. So I have started every one of these conversations by just asking my guests to introduce themselves to me. And I leave it very open-ended because that's kind of the whole point. You know, if we were to meet outside of the world we have met in, which we'll get to, how would you introduce yourself to me? Okay. Hi, I'm Emily Howarth. I am from just outside Philadelphia, born and raised for 38 years and was just recently imported to Durham, North Carolina. I'm a lifelong learner and my current subject, I'm very interested in hyper-focusing on and going down a research rabbit hole, is ADHD because uh, I was newly diagnosed and I'm finding out that that is a huge part of who I am and how I show up in the world. And I'm ready to tap into those superpowers. So uh, I'm also an advocate. I'm standing up as a uh, neurodivergent and mental health advocate. That's who I am. I love that. I so relate to that. I want to just take a step back. It is... Right now we're recording. It's the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. This will come out in early December. And I like to just kind of be as transparent as possible, especially because I come from a background where I do a lot of interviews that go out that day or get turned and burned for the next day. And so it's always strange to like interview people and be like, yeah, this is going to come out in a couple of weeks. But we both just got back like two days ago from our first international conference on ADHD. And that's where you and I met. This was your first too? Oh. Yes, it was. So I think you and I actually are probably within the same time frame of being diagnosed. It's just it was about a year and a half ago. Uh, it'll be two years in January for me. So we met in Dallas at the conference and you walked up to um, 
a colleague of mine. So this podcast is produced in partnership with ADHD Online. And I don't know the exact line, but you said something along the, fe- uh, the to the effect of you guys saved my life, referencing ADHD Online. And it was so powerful to me because I think we have a really hard time as people who were diagnosed later in life with describing the magnitude of it. And to hear you say that, and I know that there's so much more to that, but I just want to say, you know, you mentioned you're an advocate and I have to tell you that the energy you put out and the positivity and the just light you're one of those people that you meet and you immediately feel like, oh, this is someone I could get coffee with or I could grab a drink with or I could have like an immense heart to heart with and feel very supported. And I come from a background of having been bullied by women and having female friendships is so hard because it is just such a messy playing field. And it was just very refreshing. So I just want to start by sharing that with you because I think it's so important for us to really be lifting each other up because sometimes that's the only place it's coming from. Lift as we climb. That is not, that is not an Emily quote. That is from my company, you know, uh, Women's Leadership Summit a few years ago, but I wholeheartedly believe in it. Thank you, new best friend. Um, I feel the same way about you. Um, yeah, I walked up to the ADHD online table and said, thank you. And told a little bit of my story. And yeah, we got introduced and I am so excited to to have met you and for you to be giving me an opportunity to have a platform to tell my story. I'm going to be cheesy again and, and leverage another catchphrase that's not my own. Um, I really believe in the strength in connection, right? That was the theme of this year's um, ADHD 2022 International Conference. And the strength in human connection that I feel when I open my mouth and and people relate and we and we share commonalities and we realize we're not alone, I see it changing the world. So I have ADHD and that means I talk excessively and I am not going to stop. <laughs> I love it. So I will just lead the conversation then. Yes, please. And I want to go I want to go back. And I say I want to go back to what led you to seek out an ADHD diagnosis. And I think that like many people who are diagnosed later in life, there's a lot that comes before that. So you just you start your story and and I'll uh I'll uh I'll give you a little signal when I'm about to jump in and you know <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Love it. Let's go. All right. So it was a Wednesday morning, October 10th, 1984. <laughs> no, that's for another day. Um, yeah, my story, it, it did start from the beginning, right? I struggled throughout my whole life, um, just academically. And I didn't always have support. Uh, One thing that I learned about ADHD and about myself and how I show up is um, with girls and women, there's the internalization of problems. Um, And there's the internal problem solver in us. So I'm looking back now and thinking about that little girl sitting in that classroom having all these issues 
and not speaking up to the to the teachers, not going home and asking for help from my parents, just just feeling like I have to fix it all on my own. Um, so that lasted for 37 years. Um, and I bopped around a lot during that time, um, either academically or professionally or geographically within a few counties of uh, just outside Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I never found a place in the world, never found a place in the world, but I kept trying. So I went through some of uh, my own traumatic experiences. um, And it wasn't until 2012 when we lost someone very near and dear to me um, to suicide that I sought out um, therapy for myself for the first time. It wasn't easy and it didn't work because I didn't know how to talk about my emotions. So I didn't continue, even though I had gone through a really, really hard time. So I started and stopped therapy. I don't even know how many times from 2012 through today. Still trying to find a therapist. If you're out there, hit me up. Um, I was on medication um, for a little bit after um, after everything that happened in 2012. Met with just like my general practitioner and got on something for depression. So that was my treatment. I was on like 10 milligrams of Celexa and just out living my life trying to do the best I can. But it was hard. Um, and I have a lot of strength and I have a lot of resiliency and I kept trying and trying and hitting roadblocks. And finally, you know... One day I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm trying to point to all the things that are my anxiety triggers, trying to figure it out. You know, I just want to unlock what that answer is because knowledge is power. And if I know that I can do something about it. So I, that particular day, I pointed to my wife and said, maybe, maybe it's you. I don't know. I've tried everything else. Maybe it's you. Let me take a little breather here. Let me go. Um, check into an Airbnb and just get some time for me to think without any distractions. And um, it was a really lovely day, honestly, just listening to music and taking in the, the, uh, the nature all around me and just kind of decompressing. And then I was getting ready for bed and I was taking my belt off and just The flood of hopelessness took over me and impulsivity took over me. And even though I have lost several very important people in my life to suicide, I found myself in that position. I found myself so hopeless because I didn't fit in and I wasn't good enough and I, and I wasn't all these things. I attempted to end my own life. And uh, that was June 16th, 2021. And thankfully, um, it didn't work. I got out of it. And um, I reached out for help. I called the suicide hotline. I got put on hold. Um, I called uh, a friend and they weren't available. I reached out to my sister. She wasn't available. I kept going um, until finally I, I uh, got a hold of my wife and uh, she took me to the emergency room and 
I went and got some psychiatric care after that. And I went and got residential treatment. And I still didn't get diagnosed with ADHD. I'm talking to a lot of really smart professionals. I don't know it's in me. And they're still not noticing it. And it wasn't until I saw uh, like a meme or something, an infographic on, I don't know, Facebook, Instagram. I'm not sure. I have it saved. And it was Misdiagnosis Monday is the title. And it breaks down um, AD, uh, uh, help me out here, ADHD, inattentive, hyperactive. It's a Venn diagram. And then in the middle, you've got combined. And I'm looking at this infographic and I am seeing myself and my struggles. And the reason I ended up in that scary place on June 16th, and the reason it was taking me 18 years to finish an undergrad degree, and I almost failed out of high school and all the things. It, like you said, it was the answer you didn't know you needed. So I went into a research rabbit hole trying to figure out the, I work in finance, um, so the, the, the most cost-effective, quality, reliable care I could find to try and get help. Because again, my quality of care up until that point had led me to a dark place. So after a ton of research, a month of research in August, I... Uh, came to ADHD online and man, was it easy. Like the website's great, super user-friendly. And it probably took me a few times to get through the assessment. I don't, I don't remember. And I think in a, within a week, maybe not even, I had a diagnosis. And then very shortly after that, I had treatment. Um, I lost my train of thought. It's okay. I was going to joke and say, oh gosh, we haven't been recording this whole time. Can we start over? (laughs) (laughs) Take it from the top. I was like, how do I, how do I break this amazing moment and make you feel safe? Because that's something that's really important to me, but also acknowledge how special I feel to be on the receiving end of your story, to feel this connection and to feel this trust and to know that we met and you're entrusting me and this podcast and my relationship with ADHD online to share your story. And I just, I'm, I'm blown away by your resiliency and and I want you to really on those tough days, because we all have them. It doesn't matter how good things are going. Emotional dysregulation just will knock you on your butt In that dark moment when you felt so hopeless, you also knew what was at stake and you did not back down. And that's not to say that people who follow through with a plan, I don't quite know the right language to use when we're talking about suicide, um, but- That's okay. We're doing our best here. We're all learning. We're, We're doing our best. Exactly. And it, it makes me think of the story that you read when you go across the Golden Gate Bridge where they talk about the few people who have survived jumping, who the ones who have survived have said, 
I immediately regretted it. But there is that impulsivity that comes with this condition and hopelessness. And I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about what it felt like when you received your diagnosis, because I think you you knew, you saw that infographic and you knew, and I felt the same way. And so getting the diagnosis was really just like, okay, I have the steps to move forward now. Yeah. It's everything that everyone I've been talking to, everything I've been reading about folks who have been diagnosed late in life, um, especially um, I've been doing a lot of reading and research on, on um, ADHD and girls and women and, and women diagnosed late in life. And, and everything I'm hearing is akin to, it's like I got a manual for my brain. I just finished a, a LinkedIn learning about ADHD in the workplace and other people are just articulating it so much better than I can right now. <laughs> it it changed my life. It started my life. It for for me what I need to do is is know and understand myself in order to be able to confidently move forward and show up in a way that um that feels like Emily and not masking. Um so it was it was absolutely life starting and a switch flipped in me. So the, a lot of really crazy things have happened since I, since I got diagnosed and since I started treatment. But um, one of the things that I'm really excited to share, which was a huge, huge moment in my life was how quickly the shift in my academic success happened. Like I said, I was, I was working on an undergrad degree for 18 years. It was four or five different schools, can't count how many different majors, never knowing what I wanted to be when I grew up and all the classes are just too hard and I can't do it. I'm not built for school, but I have this hunger for learning. I want to use my brain. And I started getting treatment and... I grew the confidence to register for classes. So I met with an advisor at uh, Penn State Abington who saw these pockets in my motley crew of classes that fit into a degree, a letters, arts, and sciences degree. He saw psychology, he saw health, he saw business. And that opened a door for me to study more about myself. And I registered for public speaking first. <laughs> that was a class I had taken and dropped five times previously and needed a permission slip to get into this time. And I did it. Not only did I do it, but I got a hundred in the class. And I owe that to, yes, my tenacity and my resiliency. Um, but I owe that to ADHD online and man, I wish I could remember that prescriber's name, that first practitioner from way back when, but I, I couldn't have gotten through that class without the help that I got in those first few months. And then I scheduled all my other classes around what I wanted to learn about me and how I wanted to change the world. 
and I was really close to finishing with honors, but then it, you know, you ask for a divorce and you got to finish your, your undergrad all in a couple of months. And it's, it's really hard. So I did reach the finish line. I'm so, so proud of myself. And I did it in what, eight months, all my 400 level classes, all the stuff I've been putting off the writing intensive. And I found joy in what I was doing for the first time. So my life has changed in many, many ways. And that's, that's one that I'm most excited about. Yeah. You should be, you should be so proud of yourself. And I want to just, you mentioned you did this LinkedIn workshop and you mentioned that, you know, people are articulating it better than you are, but I see you practicing it. And I want you to know that there are people who learn that way, who see people and are looking at them as an example. And your story will come. You'll learn how to tell it more comfortably. You'll feel more comfortably comfortable doing it. But like you're living it right now. And truly that is such a powerful message. And I'm so happy that you have found kind of this rebirth like it, it it in the best and worst ways it feels like a rebirth and i say this you mentioned going through a divorce and there are times where you have this monumental eye-opening experience and for you and i it was a later in life adhd diagnosis that put all of our comorbidities into focus and really made us understand what was behind it and it is a hard journey to go on by yourself. It is even harder to do it and bring people along with you. And that is such an important thing to acknowledge because I think sometimes we go, oh, everything is supposed to stay the same and I'll just be the one that changes. And that's that's not always the case. No, I had to, after the conference, I. I just sent my ex a text. We're still working through the divorce. It's very amicable. She's a beautiful human. It just, it just didn't work. And I'm realizing it didn't work because of ADHD, because of undiagnosed ADHD and the struggles that brought to my life. So yeah, it's tough to see a seven-year marriage end because of something I didn't even know. But Lindsay, you said something like second, second life, right? And that's exactly what I'm living. I am stepping out into the world and I'm learning more about myself every single day and I'm standing taller and I'm confident in the decisions that I'm making. Look at me, I'm sitting up straighter. The, the more I talk about it, um, I, I know that divorce was right for me because it wouldn't have gotten me to where I am today. And I know that I am making all the right steps in my life right now, but it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. And I think the more I talk about it, the more other people come out of the woodwork. And again, strength and connection. I'm getting so much support from so many people just in finding my emotions and and being vulnerable for the first time. This is a practice. This is not, this is not, I'm not well seasoned in this at all. So thank you for your patience, kindness, and guidance. 
oh my goodness, you are incredible. You're doing incredible. But yeah, to my second life, I'm, uh, I'm, I did a lot of selfies with a lot of people um, at the ADHD conference because it's my thing, name, face, recognition. When uh, I'll throw this out there for, for all of our listeners, hot tip, when you make new connections and you're saving that contact information in your phone, grab a selfie, save it as their contact photo, send it to them. They can have that as your contact photo as well. And then you're remembering these humans, not just for the wonderful connection, but for their faces too. I love that. I'm in the phase of seeing people I haven't seen in 20 years, you know, now that things are opening back up and we're being more social. And I'm just acknowledging that it will take me too long to dig through the boxes in my brain to get to the name. I can tell you everything we've ever done together, how we know each other, our mutual friends, like probably your, you know, like cocktail of choice when we were 22 years old. Okay. I'm jealous of your working memory. (laughs) I can't, I, I, well, I can't remember your name. So I just roll up like real confident. Hey, it's, it's Lindsay. Yeah. You know, like you just break the ice. Cause honestly being, being a human is so hard that like taking the embarrassment or the shame out of it and just like cutting that whole awkward part. Like, do you ever feel like because, and I don't want to say we wasted time because that makes it feel like everything that we did to get here was wasted. Would I have liked it to have been easier? Absolutely. I feel like we are more aware of what holds us back and why we feel certain ways. And I think you touched on this a little bit with school when you were younger and not opening up about what was happening. It's the people-pleasing side. We don't want to ruffle feathers. And I kind of feel like you get this later in life diagnosis and you start realizing that the only person who will put you first is you. And we have spent our whole lives not doing that. Yes. 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 And yes. Um, Yeah, I was kind of launched into a uh, parental role at 12 years old. So the people pleasing, that resonates really hard with me. And um, I've never put myself first. I, I didn't know I needed to. I thought that um, by helping others, I was doing good. And I didn't see how much that was tearing me down. Um, yeah, sorry. I lost it again. ADHD brain. They all, every podcast about ADHD should just come with a disclaimer at the beginning that if you are neurotypical, come into this with patience because it will be a wild ride, but I promise you at the end, you'll be happy you came on it. Can I share one more little tidbit? Of course. Okay. First of all, it's one, two, three, four right now is the time on 11, 22, 22. All that feels very good. I love that. Good number vibes right now. Um, A second ago, I apologized for something unnecessarily. And I would like to share. Retract that? Would you want to, do you want to rewind? (laughs) No, I don't want to rewind. I want to uh, use it as an opportunity to uh, share something. 
um, when I was in residential treatment as a method to try to help uh, the beautiful community of women around us break that habit of apologizing for everything so unnecessarily. When we would hear it, we would say quack. So I'm going to quack myself and I'm going to ask that we ripple the quack and hold each other accountable. We don't, I'm not sorry for my existence. I'm proud to be here. I'm awkward. The words aren't always going to come out in the right order or the right way. I might offend you, um, but I'm here to learn. You use the quack on me <laughs> and you, I said I was sorry about something and you quacked me and I was like, oh, the mighty ducks. Do yeah. you want to talk about the mighty ducks? Because that is where my ADHD brain goes because being from Minnesota, you you have a favorite Mighty Ducks movie and you are very, very committed to that. Anyway, it made me laugh because then you you shared that and I think it's great. And I do think we're so quick to use that, especially when people ask us to do something or even things like, hey, do you want to get dinner tonight and you're busy or you don't want to go and we apologize. And it is so ingrained and breaking it can be so hard, but it is very liberating when you start changing the language. Mm -hmm. Because think about it. It's not just an apology. It's the guilt you carry around with you too, right? We've got to release that. Um, I just started reading a book I read a couple select chapters for my health psychology class and just loved the writing style and the, and the information. It's um, why zebras don't get ulcers. And now I got excited talking about the book and forgot why I was bringing it up. <laughs> Can you bring me back, Lindsay, or we'll just move forward? We, we were talking about apologizing and using the language and saying the words, I'm sorry. And when we start to stop, we let go of the guilt and the shame that comes with it. Guilt. Yeah, the guilt, right? So in Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers, it, it talks about um, stress and the load that that takes on your body um, in a really plain talk way. And I feel that. I don't know if you do. But like, I feel the stress and burden of 37 years of people pleasing and not putting myself first. And I, I feel the rest that my body needs. So yeah, if we can break the cycle of apologizing unnecessarily and let go of that guilt and let our bodies just come back to homeostasis, man, life is big and beautiful and long and just, I'm excited. I'm just excited. Love that. I love that energy that you're putting out there. And I think it's so important to remind people that it's never too late. It's never too late to live a better life. You know, it's really easy to sit in the puddle of grief and sadness and the what ifs, but it's pretty amazing to know what's possible moving forward. And I would rather take that than continue on the path I was on. And I'm wondering when you look back and you're kind of examining how ADHD was coming up in your life 
And I think the thing that is so interesting is the more I talk to people, the more I realize some of the things that I didn't even realize were connected to ADHD are actually connected to ADHD. And so I'm curious if there's been something that stands out as maybe one of those that doesn't just like jump to the top of the ADHD symptoms list. First thought was um, my memory. I have been so hard on myself about my memory and I've had no hope. It's like, that's it. You know, if I don't do this right now, I'll never remember to and it'll never get done. And it's, oh, my mom's calling me. I should have told her that I'm recording this podcast right now. (laughs) Excuse me. Sorry about that. Um, my memory. memory. Yes. Um, it's not me, it's ADHD and I can work with it. But, but it's hilarious that this happened as your mom was calling, because it's just this reminder of, it's not necessarily our brains. It's how many things our brains are focusing on at one time. Yes, yes. I just learned at the conference, because again, I have a baby brain. I just got diagnosed in January. I put my head down. I finished school. I relocated to a different state. And now my head's above water. Water. Sorry, that was masking. I'm from Delaware County, Pennsylvania, and I say water. (laughs) Um, And I'm, I'm learning about myself. And one of the things that I learned is inattentive doesn't mean we don't pay attention. Inattentive means we're paying attention to so much. Our brains are interested in so much. It's a pinball machine and it's exhausting. And the knowing, not just the knowledge, it takes everything. It takes pills and skills, right? Combination of treatment and my own jumping in and educating myself and um, trying to find practitioners who specialize in my areas. It's its just been so eye-opening. And yeah, I just want to keep learning more and, and sharing my knowledge with the world. And I'm so excited that you are because the more we talk about it, the less there will be of us in 30 years. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I know. I know. Don't you just want to like go into schools right now and <laughs> Like, just chat with some kids and pick their brains and see who that little Lindsay is and who that little Emily is and just give them resources. Yes, so much so. (sighs) So much so, you have no idea. And I think the one thing we don't talk about with this is it's not just us being affected, you get diagnosed later in life and there are people around you who feel guilt for not getting it. And then you're carrying that and you're like, no, please, please, you didn't know. And it's this game. And it's like, if we can actually address it when it's happening, think of what that's going to do for families. You think of all of the issues that happen in a family that are caused by stress. And then you think of how undiagnosed ADHD contributes to stress. And it's this really awful cycle. And we're letting down everyone by not doing a better job of educating people, of having the resources in place, and of making it okay. One of the speakers from the conference 
was very vulnerable. Um, she's a doctor who specializes in these things and has a family member who suffered for a long time silently with ADHD. And this person just shared the guilt that they felt because they didn't notice. And it it made me think of my own family and the people in my lot in, in my life who might be feeling that guilt right now. Like I've I've got people coming in with messages because I'm I'm pretty vocal online about about my uh, adventure with ADHD. And I've got people apologizing, saying they're sorry they didn't notice it. And I just want to say, can we please all throw guilt out the window? I am not blaming anyone for anything. Yes. Could it have been noticed sooner? Were there signs? Absolutely. Is it genetic? Could this have occurred for, you know, because of things with my parents or the environment or whatever? Yes. But I'm not looking back and pointing fingers. I've got no ill will towards anyone. I'm looking forward for solutions and I want us to all come together and learn, see how this is affecting all of us and just step up and do something about it because we are losing lives to this. We're losing lives because this is a silent disability and people don't know it's in them because we don't know enough about it. So all that to say, mom, when you're listening, I hope you don't have any guilt because I've got no blame. Let's just keep learning together. Oh man. Damn you, Emily. (laughs) No, no. Sorry. Yes, quack. I love it. Yes, yes. Quack, uh, quack, quack, quack. <laughs> let's move to the positive because moving forward into the future is exciting and energizing. And I want to know when you look ahead, what is getting you up in the morning? Changing the world. And I know you mean that genuinely, and it's so refreshing to hear. Yeah. I know I say such, I know I say such big things, but like, I do mean it. I, knowledge is power and I know more about this thing now. And I found a brave space and I'm comfortable coming up and and telling my story. So I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm excited to learn more. I'm getting up in the morning because I want to use my ADHD superpowers to dive into a research rabbit hole on ADHD and mental health and find a way to prevent any more suicides from happening because of any of this. Neurodiversity, behavioral health, physical health. I get up in the morning every day excited to learn more and use all these things I'm learning about myself. I just shared a a poem with you earlier today. And that's something I'm excited about because it's new. ADHD unlocked creativity in me. And my poetry is a form of therapy for me. I write about my experience and, and then I share it with people. 
And again, I can't stress enough like how new that is for me. I, Emily, she didn't emote. She kept it all in. I've got all these walls. I have to be perfect. And no one needs to know all the struggles I'm going through. And creativity came out and allowed me to express myself and and share it with other people. And that's just been so, so cathartic. I We need an entire episode on things I'm excited about because of ADHD. <laughs> I actually have thought about doing a spinoff each week where it's just you bring someone on to talk about their latest hyperfocus, like 10 minutes, like what are you really into right now? And tell me everything you know about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like just to feed the like 10 year old in us who like just wanted to talk to people all the time. And we were told you talk too much, you're too loud, you need to be quiet. And we just were like, okay, we won't talk ever. And now we're like, oh my God, we can talk and we can talk about things and be excited about them. And every time I see a woman who's younger than me, who is themselves. I'm just going to say that. I thank the lucky stars that someone didn't get to them because I think about how many times I could see, I can look back and it's kind of like, I see my confidence building and I see myself finding my footing. And then I see someone coming in and pushing me back down. And I would get back up again because I have really big goals and I have, I, 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 my life, and I feel like you will get this, it's illusions of grandeur with everything, with dinner, with uh, a home renovation project, with my career. Like it is literally like, what is the most intense, highest accomplishment I can do? And then I am going to do everything I can to get there. And so I would get back up and I'd get going and then I can see exactly who it was and where they would come back in. And I'm not spiteful. I mean, sometimes, yes, sometimes in a joking manner, but I will say I had this idea when we were in Dallas where I was like, oh, this would be a great Kill Bill inspired TV series where you just sought revenge on the people who like shit on you in life, you know? Let's go. <laughs> but like not in a like Kill Bill style, like I'm, I'm not going to be like a sword wielding vigilante, but just in a like... I'm going to come in and check out to make sure you're a good human now as an adult because we all have mistakes. I think we've all played the villain in someone's life at one point or another. It doesn't matter if it was intentional or not. That's how life happens. Yeah. But I joke that I'm like, oh, there could be a good series about helpful vigilantes. I don't know. You know, you just like joke. I oh, no. Okay. So I am 100% on board with you. And I want to share two things and we'll see if I remember both of them. Um, I'm the complete opposite to you when it comes to goals. I don't know how to set them. I, I don't know how to follow through with them either. Like I never had that big lofty, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to be when I grow up. I never had that beacon of light um, until now, until after I started, after I got diagnosed and after I started getting treated and finding better tools to make life work for me and how I show up. And like I said, I struggled a lot academically. And one of the episodes that needs to be on this show, Netflix, are you listening? We've got great ideas. Please reach out. I had, uh, you're in high school, it's junior year, you're thinking about college. I, I don't know what I want to go to college for. I just know I want to get out of Delaware County and, you know, be a first generation 
graduate and set that example for my little sisters and for the rest of my family. So it's, uh, you know, time to go and get your college recommendations and all that. And I, um, I go up to my science teacher. I don't remember what kind of science it was, but like that was always a subject I was curious about. And I think I had like a C in the class and that was good for me. And I asked her if she would write me a college recommendation and um, she said, no. And she said, honestly, I'm surprised you're even still here. And I would love an episode around that. So I could go back, not in a Kill Bill way, but in an education way, just to say, hey, here's how I was showing up. I just found out about it now myself. And I think sharing this knowledge with you will um, help us both and create a ripple. So it's okay you didn't give me the recommendation then. It's okay. That gave me fire in my butt. No, those words hurt. I'm working on that in therapy. You're okay. You will be okay, but it's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. This this mentality of how adults treat children. We are children. We were children. Even when we turned 18 and we were graduating, we were children. And I have very similar very similar moments with adults in my life who I trusted. And because you were enjoying the class and you were showing up in a way that I'm sure you were engaged during class, but for whatever reason, schoolwork was difficult. Like you weren't on paper what they were looking for. And you made yourself vulnerable and put yourself out there and have someone squash it in that way. There's so many other ways it could have been handled and it, I'm, I'm genuinely so sorry that you had to pick the pieces up from that because I, I would bet you didn't tell anyone about that at the time. No, no. Who am I going to tell? That's embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And at the time you would say it to other people and be embarrassed for yourself and they would be embarrassed for you. We are at a point now where we hear that and we're embarrassed for the teacher because we know better and we would not behave that way. No. So we need to keep speaking up and we need to be the voices that the Lindsay's and the Emily's and the everybody needs to hear because it's not just us. Empathy and understanding go a very long way. And I think the one thing that is so important is really just busting down this idea that there is one way to learn, that there is one way to live a life, that there's one way to have a relationship. All, all of these rules that were set by people who are no longer on this earth, like we need to have the confidence to make our time on this planet what we want without worrying at all about what anyone thinks. And it is so hard. It's so easy to say it, but it is so hard. It's impossible. How do you even figure out what you want? Oh God, it changes every day. <laughs> exclusive of what everyone's, yeah, exclusive of what everyone's telling you you're supposed to be doing. It's, there's so much noise. And um yeah, with ADHD, how do I figure out what I want to do when I want to do everything? Literally everything. It's a problem. 
You mentioned some of the tools that you have added into your life to make living with ADHD a, a better experience. What are some of those things? Yeah. Um, so pills and skills. It started with the skills um, because the diagnosis came later. So um, in treating the comorbidities, I learned a lot about CBT therapy. Uh, I don't want to use jargon. Let me back up. I learned a lot about cognitive behavioral therapy and dialectical behavioral therapy and, you know, all these $10 words that really mean um, self-compassion and understanding yourself and finding tools to make life work for you. Um, remind me of the question again. The tools that you've added in. and Yeah, the tools I've added in. So- well, so I want to I want to ask a really quick because you mentioned uh, self acceptance. Do you feel like what you are learning is helping quiet that negative voice in your head when something goes wrong? Yes. You used to immediately bad self talk. Do you feel like just even acknowledging that it happens changes things? Absolutely. One of the practices that I've been trying really hard is noting. Um, so noting when I am practicing negative self-talk, because it's it takes a lot to unpack 37 years of that. Um, so now I try to note it and acknowledge it ain't me at ADHD and it can be a superpower. So how can we reframe this? Um, so yeah, just kind of... Learning to coach myself has been a tool. Building self-awareness has been a tool. Talking to other people about how I show up in the world has been a tool. And then medication, um, Adderall and medical marijuana. I could not get through school, work, life these past, uh, since January. I could not have accomplished what I've accomplished. I could not show up here today, this articulate and vulnerable without medication and all the skills that I've built. And it comes back to going back to going to the um, psychiatric hospital after the emergency room. That was my first sense of, I'm a part of a community. Um, that's been othered. And I've even othered this community. You know, I was scared to go to a psychiatric hospital. You see it on TV and in movies and boy, I, I don't want to be strapped down and I, all the things, right? I'm, I'm scared. And man, was it good to be around a community of people who are struggling right alongside of you and just want to feel better. And um, I wasn't going to, go to any of the group therapies. I was going to isolate in my room because I'm not going to talk. I'm too shy. I'm going to sound dumb. Um, but I went, I showed up and I was a fly on the wall at first and all the people around me sharing their brave stories and all of their coping skills. I learned so much and I learned inspiration to find my own voice, community, has been huge 
for me. Um, and going back to the conference, right? Like I've been telling everybody, anyone who will listen to me right now, that conference changed my life. That conference, that community, the knowledge I gained for the first time in my life, I know and feel that I belong on this earth and I have a purpose and I see and feel my own intelligence. That's never happened before. I couldn't have had it if I didn't take a bet on myself, uh, take some PTO, put this conference on credit and say, we'll figure it out. I need this. I need this for me right now. Um, so I just want to like thank you. And I want to thank ADHD online. And I want to thank every single human I interacted with and who listened to me and who hugged me and just showed up, you know, we should all be proud of ourselves for showing up and paying it forward. It really highlighted the importance of community. And I think, you know, I didn't attend any of the actual workshops or sessions or keynotes, but that's not why I was there. Well, you got two weeks to do them online because it was a hybrid conference. Let's go accessibility. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that part of it. I just felt like every time I saw someone or interacted with someone new, there was just an immediate connection. And I think leading up to the conference, I was stuck in middle school and I was like, no one's going to talk to me. And finally, my partner, who's very neurotypical, said to me, do you really think those people would show up there? And I've just had that experience in life that it hasn't mattered where I've been. I have run into those people. And I said, you know what? If they are, they shouldn't be. And I, for the most part, had such a lovely experience. I am so thankful for being in that safe space and getting to feel like I could be myself. And that also included setting boundaries and knowing when I was at capacity and taking care of myself. And for the first time, not worrying about FOMO and being like, yeah, I'm, I am really wanting to be here, but I'm also exhausted. And I know that I've got a lot on the plate tomorrow. And that felt good too. Yeah. And then knowing that the people around you understood that and you're not being judged for not showing up and there's no ill will. Everybody understood. <laughs> there was a point where I was like, so-and-so hasn't texted me about what they're doing tonight. And then I was like, oh yeah, they all have ADHD. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> You're like, oh, it's not me. It's not me. And then of course- It's you not know, me, it's ADHD. Uh, and then of course the text did come in and I was like, oh, thank God. But you're like, you just re re like revert back to that little insecure person who was just, it, it, it typically isn't just one time. It typically happens a lot through life. And I think working through that is really powerful. Yeah, we have a lot of work to do. You know, it's it's not easy getting diagnosed late in life. We're starting over. We're learning who we are. We're learning what we need. And we're learning how important it is to speak up and 
open your mind and your heart and share your story, share your experience and the support will come. We saw it, you know, like how, how full is your cup right now? So full, but I'm in the early stages of feeling like, how do I replicate that at home? Which has happened before. This is not new. I knew it was going to happen. It's the post-vacation blues. And you're like, how do I wake up every day and feel the way I felt? I felt unstoppable. And so it's working on acknowledging that because I know it happens. I know it happens frequently. And just taking it step by step, you know? So what are you doing to maintain that community? I'm working on cutting out some of the things in life that have been holding me back. And I knew this before the conference, but I also knew I didn't have time before the conference to really do that. And so I'm looking at this week as an opportunity to clear out some of the things that that there's attachment to for whatever reason. And when people ask for help and I have the ability to take it, actually doing that. So mm-hmm. what about you? I joined ADA. Okay. I'm a member of ADA now. And I went hard on enrolling in support groups. I went to my first one last night. Um, it was Healthy Habits. And are you surprised if I say, what a lovely community? I learned so much. I can't wait to go back next week. Um, There's so much support out there. Um, I joined a community for queer and non-binary people with ADHD. I joined a community for beginners with ADHD. Um, I'm just going to keep going. Oh, real prideful moment real quick. How was your flight home? Uh, it It was fine. I'm really happy with my flight home. Okay. Are you ready for this? Yeah. I said, I'm going to be productive. I just met so many people. I have all these random phone numbers in my phone, all these pictures of people. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to spend $9 on the Wi-Fi and I'm going to spend this flight reaching out to all the people in my phone, saving their contact information and strengthening these connections. And I didn't even notice we took off. I was hyper-focused. <laughs> I looked to the right of me at one point. I don't know. And it's like, oh, we're in the air. Okay. Um, but I did it. I reached out to every single person whose phone number I had and was so proud of myself for getting it done. And we're continuing lovely conversations and still supporting each other. Well, I'm so proud of you for getting it done. I had a, a mini win for myself was getting home And immediately on Monday morning when I didn't have a plan in place and started to feel anxious about, oh my gosh, what is the most productive way to spend my day? Which of course is how we all get started. And I said, you know, you don't have a plan right now. So have some coffee, eat some food, make a to-do list and get your laundry going. And the laundry was done and put away. And I was like, God, that felt good. (laughs) How do you bottle that up for next Monday? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly proud of you because that conference took a lot out of us. Oh, yes. So to be that productive on a Monday, hello. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I want to end with 
the question that I've asked everyone as we've been doing these refocus together conversations, which is if there was one thing that you really wish we could change around the narrative with ADHD, big, small, not known about whatever it is for you, what is that moving forward? It's different for everyone. And we won't know what works unless we talk about it. So I think to change the narrative, we have to do exactly what you're doing. We have to continue these conversations. Um, We have to educate ourselves. We have to encourage the people in our lives to educate themselves as well so that we're not um, the sole source of their knowledge. Um, Information is power. The only way things are going to change is if we get to know how this is impacting the individual and curate care, support tailored to them. Because this is not something that we can just do a broad sweeping brush stroke and air quotes fix. This is, I'm living with ADHD for the rest of my life. Let's get to know it and make it work. Because I know it's a superpower. I'm laughing at the everyone is different because I had a very funny moment at the conference where I realized that there are people who have ADHD, who are always early. I happen to be someone with ADHD who is always late. I pride myself on my punctuality. (laughs) I am, I love that for you. (laughs) It was, it was very noticeable in the fact that the gym was very busy, very early in the morning. And I was not going to work out. I was trying to find a foam roller. You know, I want it. That's all I wanted. And I realized, oh, it's the gym is full. There are people who love this. And then when I set up interviews with people, the people who would be waiting at the booth 10 minutes before they were supposed to be. And then all of a sudden I would, am I late? And I'm no, you're early. I'm not even late yet. And I'm feeling anxious, but it was just very funny because I was like, don't y'all know you have ADHD and you're supposed to be late. (laughs) You're supposed to have forgotten about this. I didn't know you all existed. No, I'm teasing, you know, but it is, it really is. I'm here. I'm here. I'm queer and I'm organized, (laughs) but not my thoughts or my notes. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, no, but organization is different for everyone. Emily, it was a delight to hear more about your story. It was even better to meet you in person. I'm so glad that we waited and waited till the conference had ended so we could actually sit down and talk. I feel like we would have both just been like, what else is happening outside the rooms? Yeah, you're right. So I I truly am so grateful for your vulnerability and your strength. And I just want you to walk away and and be really proud of yourself because I know it's super hard sometimes to feel it because we like to just not not lift ourselves up. So I'm feeling proud. You know I'm feeling proud. I'm sharing my pride poem with anyone who will listen. You got to show up and be proud of yourself for all the hard work you're doing. Uh, Lindsay, big, big love to you. Can't wait until the next time I can give you a great big hug. I I can't wait as well. And thank you for being a trailblazer. Like, I couldn't do this. I I wouldn't have this platform if you didn't stand up first. 
So thank you for sharing a story that I saw so much of myself in. And thank you for bringing me in and giving me a space to hopefully reach someone. You will. You have. You already have. Let's save lives. Refocus with Lindsay Gensel is a collaboration between me, Lindsay Gensel, and ADHD Online, a telemedicine mental health care leader offering affordable and accessible ADHD assessments, medication management, and teletherapy. You can find out more about the work they're doing by visiting ADHDonline.com. Our show's music was created by Louis Inglis, a songwriter and composer based out of Perth, Australia, who was diagnosed with ADHD in 2020 at the age of 39. To work with Louis and to create your own music, I've shared all of his links in the show notes. And to connect with the show or with me, you can find us online at RefocusedPod, at Lindsay Gensel, or you can email us directly at podcast at ADHDonline.com.